Welcome to Inspiring Futures. I'm your host, Ed Cotton. This is a podcast where we talk about the how, what, and why of the future. Welcome to the latest episode of Inspiring Futures. Um, I am in New York. Um, my guests are in Australia. Um, so we've got uh, Peter, Paul, and Matt of Better Briefs. Um, welcome, guys. Sorry to get you out of bed at uh, an alarmingly early time. Thanks for having us. Um, so um, many, many, many of the listeners have probably heard a little bit about you guys, but um, why don't you, each of you, just take it in turns to give us a little bit of your uh, kind of resume, how you got to... Uh, the end of 2021, what your kind of career trajectories were. Ah, very polite. Um, the funny accent you're going to listen to is originally from Holland. Um, so I started my career there doing an internship at a place called uh, um, Brand Asset Valuator, part of YNR. And then well. I, there you go. And um, then I moved into publicists as a junior strategist. And you got to realize, because I've got a lot of gray hairs, at the time, there wasn't a lot of infrastructure for strategists and planners going on in, in Amsterdam. So I wanted to progress my career. And, and I figured I need to move to the, to, the, to the heart of planning, to the heart of strategic thinking, which was London at the time, um, to, to really up my game, to really absorb as many trainings from the APG and the, and the IPA as I could. And I did that. So I started working there for Publicis London, did some time at Saatchi and Saatchi, uh, did some time on an independent called Farm. And then uh, one day I ran into an Aussie girl. And what Aussie girls do in London, they kind of um, they put a spell on you and they, they convince you to, to move halfway across the world and um, um, here in Melbourne, I've worked on, for an independent agency called AGF for about nine and a half years, and now dedicating my entire all, all my time to Better Briefs. Cool. So, Matt? Yes, yeah, so I started my advertising career at Clemenger in Melbourne. Um, I spent about five years there, and, and probably at the time was one of the largest planning departments in, in Australia. Uh, so I've cut my teeth on a number of big brands, was fortunate enough to work on, on some great clients and awarded clients, both uh, from an FE perspective and Carnline perspective, um, and then decided to, uh, unbeknownst to me, that my future business partner would be from Holland. I decided to move to Amsterdam. And so I took up a, a role at uh, what was uh, setting, uh, set up, uh, a shop that was being set up uh, out of Boston, Arnold uh, Worldwide, set up a shop to service the global Volvo account out of Amsterdam, which was part of the Havas network at the time. So I spent uh, three years there in Amsterdam and then decided to go into uh, more of a design-led business. So an an agency called DesignBridge um, and really kind of got under the skin of of some pretty theoretical brand thinking, uh, which which was great because you don't often get exposed to that stuff in in advertising agencies. So I spent a bit of time at DesignBridge, decided to move back to Melbourne after almost five years in Amsterdam. Uh, and came across Peter Paul. So Peter Paul was the first person I spoke to when I got back into Melbourne 
uh, who was working in AJF and heading up the planning department there. And he said, oh, well, there's a bit of a connection here. There's a Dutch connection and, and um, we obviously get along. So we started working together at AJF back in 2015, I think it was, and spent two years working together there. Um, from there, I, I was then appointed as a strategy director of an independent agency called The Royals uh, in Melbourne. Uh, and then the last three years, I've actually been freelancing. So a whole range of clients um, working into agencies and also my own clients. So uh, it, it kind of brought us to, to a point where we were seeing enough kind of poor briefs cross our desk that we thought we'd, we'd start to do something about it. Yeah, to, to tell us a little bit about the sort of, uh, was it over several beers that you decided that this was a thing to do or is it, how did it, how did you go, there's something, there's something here that we need to pursue, uh, how did that happen? Because you, you can, everyone can have like a little idea, but you, you know, to make the commitment and go, yeah, we're going to go, go for this. To, to be honest with you, I think now in, in, ret, in retrospect, I think it's, 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 it was the sum of a lot of observations and a lot of conversations and it just all came together at one night over beers okay if you want if you want that but um it, it was i think that w w when strategies and planners come together one of the most often uh, uh talked about topics is ah did you get another shit brief did you get any good briefs Ooh, it's all a bit shit isn't it um and i guess matt and i were having one of those conversations but i guess the <sighs> The aha moment might have come the next day, when um, when we actually not instantly forgot about the night, but when we actually looked into what was done on the topic, and that was the aha moment to to discover, hey, there's not not much research has been done on such an important topic, and the research that had been done by the IPA back in 2003 was pretty shocking. It's out there for everybody to see, and it, that told the story of disconnect between agencies and brands and i think from that moment it was like oh, okay this is interesting but we never set out to do research we're not researchers the only thing as you listen to our career paths is we know we know <laughs> strategy we only been strategies so we don't know much but we knew there was something here there was something important that hadn't been researched in a long time i guess we'd also we were fortunate or you know, maybe by design, we've been in agencies and, and developed um, departments in agencies where the culture of challenging client briefs was really healthy. And so for me personally, also having freelance for, for the last three years, uh, I got exposed to a number of agencies where that culture wasn't so healthy, where they would passively accept briefs uh, and then do their best to kind of solve them behind closed doors without the client looking. Uh, and so, you know, we sort of said that, there was too much of that going on and there was not enough of that culture of challenge. So how do we maybe start to influence that? And what is that? What is the most important document that, that we think can help influence that and, and moment of, of critical information transfer um, was the brief. So we, yeah, we just thought, let's, let's just focus on this and, and focus on what we're good at and see if we can't, um, you know, help make the, the world of communications a bit better. Then you, then you, then you made the next leap, which was to go and commission some research and kind of legitimise. Yeah, we were, for, we were fortunate because we had a really great relationship with Vaughan Flood, uh, who's the founder of Flood and Partners. And Peter Paul can probably dive into that story a little bit more. But we were, you know, we were calling in all favours at that time. Uh, we'd been working with him for a number of years, and we came up with this idea, and we said, "Hey, 
Vaughan, what, what do you think of this? We, we love your methodology. The way you go about research uh, is, is really different. They've just been awarded the uh, Innovation Agency of the Year for the research category in the UK, so for 2021. Um, so they're doing things differently. Uh, and for such an important topic and one that is um, quite visceral and pe people get really kind of, you know, they react really strongly to briefs. So we wanted to kind of cut through all the... Um, uh, all the negative bias that might have been present. Um, and we wanted to make sure that the research was done in a, a really unbiased fashion. Uh, and, and his research methodology, which Peter Paul will touch on in a second, uh, hopefully, um, was able to do that. So for us, it was, a, it was a really great partnership. And Vaughan was really instrumental in guiding us to take our um, our own our own biases out of the questions that we were asking. How do we get a neutral perspective that allows for you know, richness of response, but doesn't put marketers offside. It doesn't just allow for, for creative agencies to vent. that it was actually, you know, right down the middle, which was, as, as you see from the results, um, from the report you can download off betterbriefs.com, that we didn't really need to add any seasoning to the, to the, to the results. They sort of, you know, the stark contrast between how marketers and agencies think about the brief is, is, is evident. Um, yeah, so, yeah, maybe just touching on the methodology. Yeah, so uh, worth noting is that Vaughan, used to be a planner he has he, he was a planner for 20 years with all of the all of the first generation of planners back in the uk um and after two decades in planning he turned researcher because he was unhappy with the way research was done so his methodology is way more intuitive um completely set up to uh, capture people's immediate direct system one responses um and to give you a flavor of that there's a lot of questions in there that you swipe left or you swipe right as if you're dating so by doing that and at the same time gamifying parts of the survey i think we, we got a really honest response and a really authentic response from people and it was also worth noting um there were some open questions in there and people weren't giving us half a sentence for uh, an open question they were giving us two paragraphs so that also proves to you that it's a topic that people are very passionate about was there anything that really surprised you when you came back with the findings that that, that, that you weren't expecting to see well, well going back to the baseline from the ipa in 2003 so we we took some questions from that baseline and and and, and we asked those questions again ju just to a wider audience because that research was just uk and this is worldwide I guess you're seeing the situation and the gap between brands and agencies uh, uh, that has gotten bigger. That that was that really surprised us, and at the same time, it depressed us. Um, that that research from 2003 is an excellent piece of research. It clearly pointed towards that there was a big issue, and the issue has only gotten bigger in over the last 18 years. Yeah. Yeah, so the question that really stood out for me was... Um, Matt, could you move a little closer into the mic? So the question that stood out for me was around marketers using the creative process to clarify their strategy. So back in 2003, uh, in the UK, there was 35% of marketers admitting to using the creative process to clarify the strategy, which, which means that they're not clear on what, what strategy uh, is in their brief. So they're using you know creative strategists at agencies and also the concepts they get back to kind of find a way through their, their lack of strategic thinking. 
Uh, and so that was 35% back in 2003. And it grew to 57% uh, in 2021. So there's a, a, a huge jump there, which, again, we, we thought there was a problem, but we were, we didn't know that it was getting, um, well, that it was getting worse. Uh, so that was probably one of the surprising findings for us. So um, you talk, you know, the, the, the way you were describing at the beginning was the client brief. So um, there has to be kind of what we're seeing is um, either agencies that uh, don't have deep strategy bench uh, kind of trying to work their way around a client brief or an agency that does have a deep strategy bench is either in agreement with the client creating their own brief um, or, or not telling the client their writing a brief and using that did you have any idea or what kind of like um percentage of uh, of clients um were happy with agencies developing their own briefs from their brief or was that not was that part of what you were researching there was there was one question that we hadn't actually released in the report which was around which brief do you use to judge the work yeah, uh, so yeah, so the uh, either the you know the marketing brief or, or the brief written by the brand owner um, for the purposes of creative a, a solution by a creative agency, uh, or the creative brief written by the agency, or a combination of the two, and it's what what it's suggesting. The answers to those questions is that there is um, a lack of clarity on which brief should be used to judge the work against. So some marketers are saying I only use the marketing brief, and that's what I hold up all the work against. Um, a lot of agencies are saying, no, we only use the creative brief and the marketing brief kind of get, gets lost. So I, I guess is what it's saying is that there's often a disconnect um, to your point. There's a disconnect between the brief that gets put into an agency, the brief that's developed internally. Uh, and then, you know, there is confusion because at the end of the day, what are we judging the work against? So, you know, those briefs need to, um, you know, need to build off each other <laughs> rather than be independent of each other, which, which I know that you know, Ed. Yeah, so um, I guess did you, the other question is, did you find the problems to be, um, you know, with smaller clients with less resources and training and, and less marketing experience, or was it across the board? It didn't even, even, even the large company where you'd expect there to be more sophistication and brief writing was sometimes surprising that uh, that, that skill may have uh, not been... Um, you know, up to up to speed. Uh, so we had a couple of proxies. We had um, obviously countries where people are from, uh, where, where they're where they're coming from. Um, we also had a proxy on AC size, a proxy on marketing department size, proxy on level of seniority, and a proxy on uh, years in uh, uh, years of experience in marketing. Mm -hmm. When you look at all of those proxies. Um, and especially size of agency and size of uh, marketing department, it's problematic across the board. If anything, when you're dealing with bigger agencies and bigger marketing departments, things tend to get a little bit worse. So it's the bigger agencies and the bigger brands where that where that where where, where um, there's more problems with sign off with. Uh, motivation through briefs. That that's what we found, and and I guess that many the, people involved, maybe. 
that's what we're thinking. More people involved, less control on the brief, probably um, less, less uh, too many people involved and less quality conversations happening. It, and it's very simple, right? If you only have three people involved in a, in a creative process, it's quite clear on what's happening. When you have 30 people involved or 100 people involved, the lines between all of those stakeholders get very blurry. There's, there's too many conversations going on, too many stakeholders all moving in different directions. Hmm. We were surprised because intuitively we, we would have thought that bigger brands um, would have better processes and better training uh, in place. And Peter Paul and I have have stories of, of being trained by large brands like Diageo and, and Lion Nathan and brands like this who, who tend to have you know, some processes in place and do, do put an emphasis on the quality of the briefs they put into their agencies. But when you look at size of marketing department, uh, we, were, we were looking at this just the other day because we were interested. Um, and, and you look at departments with more than 50 people in them, just the marketing department. So that, was, that would sort of suggest it's a, a fairly large organization. Still over 40% of marketers within those departments haven't been trained formally in brief writing. Uh, and as that, that com compared to um, marketing departments of all sizes, which is around 50%, there's not a huge difference. So there's still a, a huge gap in understanding of, of how briefs should be written by those people who are, who are distributing those briefs. And I would say if I, if I go on a little rant, it's lack of priority. So marketers have many different responsibilities, and I get that. I get that, and I respect it too. But if you don't prioritize briefs, um, obviously you don't update and train your skills and then this whole negative chain reaction of impact on your own team and your agencies will start to happen. So if you prioritize them and if you give them more time, you can save more time and more, more uh, uh, benefits along the line. Okay, let me rephrase that. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's an efficiency thing. If you if you get yeah. if you get the brief right, because you're burning expensive creative time if you don't have a good brief. I mean, as as, as soon as you start burning your, your creative department time, you, you know that's you know when agencies say that's where they start to lose money um, when you know you're burning that creative time uh, because you don't have a good brief. Is another issue um, there are too many briefs. You know, like there's, you know, since 2003, channels have expanded. Now everything has a brief. We've got an brief for that micro influencer. We got a brief for the blog post. We've, you know, as well as we've got a brief for the new relaunch of the brand. You know, and suddenly they're all labeled under briefs, and some are more important than others. And um, you know, I find it interesting. Historically, you know, you notice that planners at digital agencies were always complaining because they were always working off somebody else's brief. You know, it's like higher up, they were further down the food chain and they weren't getting, they were just getting, uh, they were just interpreting a brief that was written for somebody else really. Yep. And, and it seems to me that the explosion in the channels has just created just so many briefs and that it's become sort of like a factory that, that there's some poor people in, in these marketing departments who've just like the deluge is just, they got a right, hmm. you know, the same equivalent position in 2003 had 10 briefs a month to write. Fast forward to 2021, they're now writing 40 or 30 or, or whatever it is. Hmm. Uh, and and as, as, those, as that expands, 
the quality declines as the uh, as the um, now you could argue a really interesting point if you get this uh, fundamentals if you the fundamental parts of the brief like knowing the hell the hell what your brand is about um, you know if they're stuck in stone and they don't need to they don't need to change from brief to brief and you know who your audience is you know the building blocks of a brief that you can template you know you can basically take those things and and put them in and uh, then it doesn't become such a complex exercise and if everyone's agreed on um on on those kind of fundamentals then that makes everyone's job easier so in a way it's partly about brief writing but it's also kind of almost understanding the two fun i always think agencies um have forgotten about two things and clients have too um the importance of brand and, and what the hell brand is and means and uh, the importance of consumers because um everything's on the fly and we can we don't even need to know our audience we can just put it out there and the audience will find it and there's sort of a lot of kind of laziness that's come in um in this evolving hybrid digital landscape where we can test and learn and we can test our learn test and learn our way to a brief rather than actually having a really good brief at the beginning i think just on the on the point on on the huge amount of briefs i, I think it's about discipline and understanding how marketing strategy and advertising works and for me it's quite simple one strategy equals one brief and that strategy might involve or might include multiple channels multiple touch points and if you think about it from that perspective so what, what's 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 the brand trying to achieve from a commercial perspective what behavior is required for that what attitude you know, shifts are required for that if you think about set it up like that then automatically you already in, start to include multiple channels maybe you can describe specific roles for specific channels but it it doesn't mean that you have to write several briefs for all those several channels it's just it's just a waste of time just make one powerful big brief one brief equals one strategy and i, th I think to build on that uh, the strategy needs to be set before the brief right so the marketing strategy is set and then you basically tap into it for the brief that you need to write so if that's, and I think that we're seeing that too often the brief is, is used as a proxy for a strategy from, from a marketing department versus saying, look, here's our big plan for the year. Here's how we're going to start to achieve that. This is, this is, this is the role of brand within that plan. Go off brand agency and, and go and create some great, great work. Here's, here's the role of digital in that plan. Here's, here's the, you know, go off and create some great work off the back of that. So I think, yeah, we're, we're sort of forgetting that that the brief a brief should just be a summary of that strategic thinking and we can yeah. tap into that and take chunks out of it where we need to so i think that that might be being lost but yeah to your point around brief prioritization like if, if that is set and and the marketing department understands the role of brand and how to activate their consumer that they've targeted at certain certain times and through certain touch points then it's, it's made a lot easier when that strategy is set have you ever heard of um creative role reversal where, I mean, I did this course years ago. Have you heard yeah. about it? an IPA course? Well, did, did you get the client to be the agency and the agency to be the client? Is that what you well, Actually, it was, it was only agency folks. So we, it, was, it was creatives and strategists. So um, we had to be creatives and the, um, the creatives wrote the briefs. 
and then vice versa. I mean, I was a young I was a young planner at the time, but I was really it was really instructive. It just because I I think unless you to me it's sort of like walking in their shoes, you know, unless you know what the person who's receiving this brief actually has to do and how they're supposed to be using it, um, you, you don't appreciate it. And, and therefore, you, 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 without that knowledge, you sort of create a, you create a brief without the insight of how that creative person is actually going to be applying this thinking. And um, I always think it's interesting when you talk to creative people about briefs, you know, what what they're really looking for and which ones work and which ones don't. Um, Just on that, one thing that Matt and I have done is for the teams we've for the teams of strategists we've been working with, is as soon as you see a brief from a mid-level planner or a junior planner, you ask them, give me free thought starters. And and I do that myself. I, I want to be able to have at least three thought starters when I hand over the brief to the creatives just to get it going, just to prove that the brief I've written is strong. Um, and then back to your role uh, reversal course, um, we've done it with clients. Uh, clients uh, uh, get to write the brief. Clients get to come up with ideas and the agency gets to be the client. Yeah. And it's, it takes a lot of preparation to run these kind of workshops, but it's absolutely mind-opening. Yeah, it's really good. And what we're seeing through the report, and that's, you see these big charts where, you know, and we use a headline that marketers and agencies are on different planets because they're, mm. they're fundamentally disagreeing with each other on a whole bunch of things, whether briefs mm. contain concise language, whether they provide strategic direction. You see polar opposites in, in opinions on whether it's happening or not. But there is a lot of nuance to that because... Because you're right, it has to be down to shared understanding. So if, if the creative agency isn't understanding what the market is trying to communicate, then yes, the marketer's role is to try and make sure the agency is understanding. The agency needs to clarify and, and make sure that they're getting what they need. But who's to say the agencies are always getting it right? Who's to say that they've been trained the right way or they're actually you know, getting some of the theory that some marketers are putting into their briefs to, to try and execute against? So yeah, it, it's, it's a tricky one. And, and just to say that the problem lies on or rests on on one um, the shoulders of one area is probably um, yeah not as as nuanced as we'd like it to be. No, both parties are at fault here. Agencies need to invest more time in trying to understand what the client is or what the brand is trying to achieve. Um, push back on on bad briefs that they get. Push back on language that they don't understand. Um, and and it can be hard, but we have to do it. And it might be a hard conversation in the moment, but it will save time and money at the end. And the marketeers they, and brands, they need to invest more time making sure that the agencies actually get what the end game is. Agencies want to know what the end game is of a brief. It's not that agencies are afraid of, of business concepts or, or commercial drivers sitting behind a brief. I think we want to know that. We want to know what the end game is. If you talk to Dave Trott and his binary brief, he wants to know what, and he's a creative, he's a creative director. He wants to know what the business end game is. So and in the end, it's not rocket science. We're not we're not heart surgeons here. It's we're we're trying to influence yeah. behavior to sell more, or, yeah. or get people to stop doing something or start doing something else. Yeah, I mean, I was the most the thing I've been impressed with most um, from a client uh, recently is um, 
the global links acts work that um, the client sort of came in and they acknowledged that the they didn't really know where the brand stood you know so they they spent a year i mean they spent a year in research um really they did it was amazing i mean they even interviewed creatives who'd worked on the campaign previously in previous years i mean it was a really thorough piece of work and really disciplined and they brought the agency into work beside them so um, it wasn't just the agency going off on their own. It was Unilever and the agency, Martin agency in this case, um, discovering and learning this um, together, which I thought was just a really good benchmark example. Um, yeah, not everyone has the luxury of time, sure. But the discipline and the rigor of like, we're going to really look under stones here and make sure, you know, we, we really build this strategy from, from a solid foundation. Um, uh, versus, you know, flying by the seat of our pants. Um, we, we really don't know enough. Um, and I think that's the, a lot of the time is the problem, that there really is no insight. Um, the agents, I think the, it, the issue on the agency side is bandwidth has been squeezed, as we all know, to a minimum. Um, responsibility has been thrown sort of to the, I think that's probably why the gap exists a little bit, is, um, there, there isn't the time to, in, there certainly isn't the time and the resources agency side to invest. And the agencies, for whatever reason, don't have the respect that they once had as being brand stewards. So this sort of brand stewardship piece, I think, is is, is gone away a little bit. Um, you know, for, like client side, how long are they there? You know, how long is the CMO there for? You know, it made their two years, two and a half years tops. And so no one's holding kind of the brand uh all the brand discipline it's not really it's like you're there for two years you got to get you want to get stuff done to build your resume and that leans to short-term thinking it's like let's get a brief out for this oh the metaverse is really big or could be or what about an nf you know you said the shiny object syndrome because i want to have stuff on you know what i mean it's like the whole short-term phenomenon um, and then how often how often do you see that uh, once a campaign a new marketer comes in uh, a new campaign is is executed and then you say okay well well let's let's go back and and kind of reverse in engineer our brand strategy and brand framework off the back of this this new campaign that we're we're really excited by and you're right like that these these um artifacts and and um things that should provide guidance for for years and years are are, are being eroded um and their value or their value is being eroded for sure yeah, because I mean, there's the whole not invented here syndrome, you know, it, it, it'd be really, I mean, I think it's really, it would be a really interesting uh, exercise, and I know this isn't your job, but um, to look at some of the world's most enduring campaigns, uh, and, and to understand what it took to keep those things running, because a new agency wants a new campaign, a new CMO wants to, you know, but somehow, you know, the, the, there's something interesting going on where these campaigns keep running because someone somewhere says, no, like we don't need to reinvent the wheel. There's, there's, there's something really solid here. Um, but it's, that goes back to lack of discipline and lack of understanding on how, how advertising actually works. Um, it is so hard, right? Earn attention. How do you do that? By standing out how much work do you see out there that actually stands out nowadays most of it flies over your head most of the stuff is ignored and then 
the other thing is once you stand out make sure that it, it links back to your brand make sure make sure that you make your assets work hard and and i think it's the respect for those assets that are so carefully and gently and and have that have been built up over the years and then somebody comes in with a sledgehammer and destroys all of that equity it's almost criminal but it demonstrates that we don't appreciate how marketing works how advertising actually works from a psychological perspective and i think everybody just needs to for in 2022 everybody needs to go back to how marketing actually works to make work that works harder because at the moment we're in an existential crisis that most of the stuff we make is absolutely a waste of time and money and attention yeah i mean i i, I think i think there's a lot of a uh, lot of discussion uh you know whether it's the um it's all coming out of australia isn't it really Ehrenberg um institute you know um yeah well we've yeah. got karen nelson field with a share of attention then we've got mark richardson sitting on tasmania the little island below yeah. australia yeah and just taking pot, pot shots at everyone yeah, yeah i don't know well but maybe it's the lockdown they locked us up for so long everybody got bored so we got bored as well so we started doing this yeah but i mean you know the mental availability model and i mean the 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 thing the, the thinking that it's about your identity and that um you know i mean agencies you know the whole perception thing you know brand perception is a huge part of what agencies believe is important important but um you know the in the in the how brands grow model that's not part of it so it's sort of like yeah the science isn't isn't complete and it's argue, there's an argument but yeah you're right i mean understanding what the fundamentals are of what we're trying to achieve um and i do feel we're in a sort of um in a spiral where we're sort of in this desperate search for attention you know um it's sort of become marketers are being judged by the column inches that their work is generating and um and sometimes it's just i've got to have a shiny object i mean I, i'm writing about i've been posting about the oreo wine you know it's just like what the you know it's just like it's now become ridiculous you know it's just like what ridiculous idea can you think of in terms of a collaboration and we're going to do it and because someone's going to write about it um and and yeah, I think I think there's just you know we're in it. We we are. I mean, what you're talking about is um, as we talked, there's a, there's a bigger symptom. There's a bigger symptom at the heart of bad briefs, really, and that's like we aren't we. There's too much stuff happening, and it and it's too there's there's we're almost. Um, overwhelmed. The marketer is overwhelmed with all this stuff, and they're not doing the fundamental, which is to get that strategy right. And then all these other things would be a lot easier. Yep, yep. yep. And you can see that in in uh, our research when it comes down to objectives. So marketers and even more so agencies are screaming for objectives. Just give me some objectives. Give me direction. Give me some direction where to find the answer. Give me the freedom of a tight brief to use that quote. That, that's what agencies want. Whereas I think with so many toys and tools and lack of direction, we're just lost. Mm -hmm. And that in combination with the discipline of how advertising works, 
that should be hopefully that combination helps to get to better briefs and more importantly more impactful work yeah i i do i do think yeah i i, I do think this I, I i've always thought of this um the the venus and mars thing you know like this this uh, the, this sort of client world is very very different from the agency world and they're sort of two different entities and um they just you know i i feel like corporate world is is a very sort of like i think people have called it logic it's, it's basically logic and creativity that comes ahead come to a head and so corporate world is all about logic it's about getting those burgers out to mcdonald's and making sure they're fresh and serving millions of people. And then the creative idea is like, it's nothing to do with rationality. It's nothing to do with logic. It's to do with the random and the never before seen. And you suddenly have these two things coming together and, and they don't understand each other. You know, we're not, we're not the creative entities aren't interested in the, the, the homogeneity of, you know, burgers. They want to, what's well, the interesting different thing. And the logic guys, don't know the, the creativity scares them it's just like it's like oh it's a random i mean the, the most famous quote is like um you know going there was a whole campaign around silicon valley to say that steve jobs was actually mentally insane and didn't and needed to be thrown out of apple because he just he was too much of a radical and and, and no one could cope with that radicalism because it didn't fit into the corporate neat boxes so I think there's like that, um, you know, you see the brilliant marketers are the people who could pretty much work in agencies. I mean, they, you know, they have that, that they, they, they know the corporate MBA stuff, but they also know how to inspire creativity. Uh, and and they, they know what creativity is. I mean, I think that's the, I think, I think if you stand, if you look at, if you look at the standout, the marketers who are behind a lot of the maybe can award winners or whatever, generally they kind of get both worlds pretty well. They know how to operate in the corporate world and they know how to inspire queer people to do good work. Um, but sometimes most, in fact, a lot of the time, it, it, it's really hard for marketers to get the, what creativity is exactly and feel comfortable with it. But, uh... I partly agree with you, but I, th I think I think it's uh, I think there's two things to unpack here. One, marketeers need to speak the language of business better. So I think they don't yeah. understand the corporate world enough. I think yeah. if they speak the language of business better, they yeah. will unlock more budgets and they will get more trust from their CFOs and CEOs to do better marketing. So don't talk about your brand health when you say to the C-suite, talk about uh, market share protection, talk about increasing uh, increasing your margin, getting people to pay more for your products. Um, and I guess once they, they understand and, and speak that language more, yeah. then, then they get to execute strategies to get there. And I, I think that companies like, Diageo, certain categories have a natural need to really understand how advertising drives the premium price because nothing else will do. If if I blindfold you and I put four vodkas in front of you, you won't taste the difference. That is all based on image. 
And I think the C-suite does understand and does appreciate uh, 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 the work that marketing can do, the work that advertising can do to command a premium price. It's just the trust in advertising, the trust in the marketer to unlock the budgets rather than invest it in something else like e-commerce or logistics. That is missing. And that, that's why I talk about discipline of discipline and uh, or, or the discipline of writing a, a good brief and the discipline of understanding how advertising works because I've, I've, I've seen it myself we talked about the other before like they invest a lot of time in training their staff training training their agencies how marketing actually works how they are going to brief and through that they're able to to I think, a, come up with better, more creative ideas, and then B, link them to stronger, more impactful commercial results. So I think as a marketeer and as strategists, you need you need a bit of both. You need yeah, to understand like a, corporate game. Yeah, but it's like I said before, the, the, the fundamental building blocks are understanding your brand. So in the Dadjo case, we know that brand matters. Brand drives premium price. You know, the more premium brands we have, and they have more premium brands than anyone, the more the more revenue and profit we're going we're gonna to be able to generate. And then to do that successfully, we're going to need to understand the consumer because what someone thought of the Shimonov vodka brand 10 years ago isn't what they think of today. And we need to constantly drive and they do a really brilliant job. But there are so many companies who, who just, they're either new, they either, you know, they, they, they're like, look at, look at all the radical new companies who, who were founded on the back of an envelope where someone said, you know that thing that we used to do this way, we're now doing this way. They don't have, they're just like, they're running on gas, gasoline and the gasoline's running out and the gasoline yeah. was, you know, you know, we've got this new widget thing and, and, and the gas will run as long as that widget's cool until someone else comes along. And it's, it's, been, it's been fueled by, yeah, a speculative insight or a piece of technology that's allowed them to gain some kind of competitive advantage. But, you know, we've had this thing with uh, mattresses, you know, the online mattress phenomenon is 105 brands. Um, and the one that actually built the brand is sort of practically dead. And it's just so, um, you know, I think I think just understanding that those fundamental brand matters, mm. your consumer, understanding your consumer matters, and understanding that your brand has value are just almost like if you don't get that, you'll never write a good brief. Yeah. So to your to your point earlier around logic and creativity, uh, I think it's I think it's a really interesting uh, world that we live in, where marketers tend to channel their creative thinking through briefs, uh, whereas actually I think I think their creative thinking should be channeled back through the organisation once they're actually respected uh, within the organisation and have the logic down pat, where the CFO buys into what they're doing, the CEO is buying into what they're doing use the creativity to push back through the organization and be a marketing-led organization where brand is really driving how your products are developed, how you get your products into people's hands and leave the communication bit to the agency and let them come up with the creative bit on the communication side. But yes, channel that creative thinking into all the other P's of marketing, whatever it is, and try and get your brand um, to drive all your, your organization because that's not happening enough. And you see it in some of those leading organizations where marketers do have a respected seat at the table, where they are shaping the course of their brands. They're setting big visions for their brands. And that's what's going to inspire the creative um, agencies. Like, yes, this is where our brand is heading. Then as an agency, how do we get there creatively through communications um, is, is 
kind of where, where I see there's there's some marketers who are doing it really well and others who are who are pushing their ideas through the agency, which is the wrong way to do it, I think. Let's talk about something dangerous. And I want to talk about a practical example of understanding the basics how advertising works. So let's talk about something dangerous. Presidential election, Trump versus Clinton. All right. Yeah, Matt's getting nervous now. Um, so when you look at those two campaigns, Trump very clearly was very single-minded in what he was trying to communicate, right? Uh, 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 build a wall, crooked Hillary, and make America great again. Like I live in Australia, I'm Dutch, and I can quote it from five years ago. That is repetition of message. That is understanding your assets. That is orange skin and a really specific haircut are, make him instantly recognizable. What does anybody recall from Hillary's campaign? That is how advertising works. We just need to go back to basics to make stuff work harder. It's not hard. Anyway, sorry, go carried away. No, I think that's a good. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think it's 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 a great example. And then then you could even say that the here's the Democrat. Democrats made a big mistake. They didn't understand the audience, and uh, they didn't understand their brand. They didn't understand how to sell the brand. And uh, you know, uh, it's a mistake that's made made time and time again. What about um, points of encouragement, you know, points of positivity? We know there's a big gap. Um, we know they don't see eye to eye, but have you unearthed um, hope in the despair? Um, what, what, when you spend the time putting strategy into a brief, agencies are way more motivated to work on those briefs. Um, and as a result of that, you'll get more, your, your brief will get prioritized in that agency and you will get more impactful work back. Um, we're coming out of COVID. We've got the proof. The report is the proof that there's that there's there's a need to talk to each other. So use 2022 to sit down with your brand or with your agency and say, hey, there's this weird report says about we don't understand each other when it comes down to briefs. What are the three things we can do better? So use it as a weapon. Start a conversation. There's a baseline now. You also have the opportunity to unlock 33% of your budget. So we, we the first time we, we were able to quantify how much budget of, you know, how much marketing budget is potentially wasted as a result of our briefs. Our and, briefs. And, yeah, that's great. So, so when did you, what, how long ago was it you launched it? Four or five months ago, was it? No, mid-October. Oh, wow. Okay. So um, have you been surprised by the reaction? Uh, did, what, what have you, what's happened? Um, I'm trying to get to, uh, you, you, you launched this. Did you get a lot of phone calls? Are people interested? How would you, how do you, this is kind of my uh, getting you to pitch a little bit of how you work. So um, someone's interested, they read the report. What happens next? The, or what has happened? You know, just tell us a little bit about what the reaction has been. So the, the reaction has been very good from the press, from marketers and agencies, those who are interested. Um, how we're going to move forward is we're going we're gonna to have a, 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 a very purposeful, driven side of the business because we as strategies know that, yes, the, the top of the iceberg has shown interest and it's been amazing to get that level of interest. But to drive the behavior change, 
we need to get a lot more done. We need to get more people talking about this. We need to get everybody who's listening, talk to your client, talk to your agency to actually solve this problem, to close the gap. We need to spread this message. Uh, we need to spread this message further and further to get those people who don't read a uh, uh, campaign magazine or marketing week or don't listen to this podcast. We need to get them too to really solve this problem. And then so, there's the commercial side of the business, and yeah, we need to make some money too through consulting, and that's one-on-one work. So, but yeah, so just focusing on that, what's the kind of ideal? I mean, to me, what I think would be brilliant is if. I'm an agency and I'm unhappy with the briefs that my client's writing, I would introduce them to you and I'd want you guys to help do a workshop where we work together to get to better briefs. I mean, that would be a huge, you know, that would be, so I wonder if um, your clients are are actually agencies that um, want um, better relationships with their clients and actually want better briefs and that you're, um, what you're actually selling is a, a way through a workshop or a series of workshops to get that. I'm just, I'm just putting words in your mouth because I'm, I'm just. Well, it's, it's both. It's, it's both brands and agencies. And I think the most, when you look at, when it comes down to brief writing, all of the training that's available is subjective is some person who's got a lot of experience coming in and giving you his or her perspective in, in the case you just talked about in in larger relationships we can bring in the research do a bespoke uh, piece of research and then compare it against the benchmark and then there's a neutral piece of information that brings brand and agency together and say these are our biggest gaps let's work on it and of course we can help with that but then there's a neutral bit of information on where to improve and i think that neutrality is really important if if you if there's not that level of budget available then use the report itself um it already tells you a story but we we need more neutrality more neutral conversations to take the person the subjectivity out of brief conversations it's, it's a tricky conversation to be had from from either side right because you know you're a creative agency and you sort of go to your client and you say hey um there's this report out there and it talks about this divide between marketers and agencies. It's not us, right? It's definitely not us in our relationship, but we should, we should just, you know, maybe take note of it. So, you know, we can future proof our relationship and, and make sure that we're working as closely as we can and we minimize those gaps and, and all that sort of, you know, that's a big conversation to be had. And, and, you know, some agencies are willing to have it and some agency leaders are willing to have that and, and good on them. And, and we hope they do because it's an important conversation to have. Um, and same from the marketing side, you know, you don't want to be seen to, um, be putting off your agency or, or again be driving a wedge between you and your agency but they're important conversations to have even if you just use that as a tool without our involvement and and delivering these you know impartial workshops as peter said peter paul said you know just using that as a tool to start a conversation it's not us but let's take a look at it uh, and just just to see if there is something that we could improve i, I think is, is is the starting point really and i would take a positive angle so how can we make briefs work harder how can we make our market budget go further how can we get more out of this relationship rather than saying ah it's all shit we don't understand each other yeah no for sure so um when when you think about what just t- putting the briefs to one side for a second and thinking you know you said let's talk about 22 um you know i was i was i mean i think a big I was looking at um, someone who's a 
runs an ethnography company saying that uh, there's this interesting psychology about people wanting to forget, you know, like this, what we've been through, you know, they just want everything to be normal and they don't want to kind of recognize that things have changed. And that presents like a massive problem if you're trying to say that you understand the consumer. Um, so, you know, that, that to me is like recognition that things have changed is a really big thing for 22 as we as much as everyone wants to get away from the, the craziness and we don't know how long this is going on for and what's going to happen, et cetera, et cetera. We do have to, I think the recognition that, that this isn't quite the same world and take responsibility for understanding what kind of world it is, is seems from a, from just from a consumer insights, understanding perspective seems really, really important. I think there's a role there for agencies. I think at, at the foundation of every good creative brief lies a strong insight. So I think agencies in the situation you just described should take a proactive role and maybe show clients, listen, this is how we think things have changed and come up with proactively with some of with some insights about how the age, how the relationship or, or between yeah. the user and the brand has actually changed. I think there's a proactive job that needs to be done there. But yeah, you're right. There, there are diminishing returns on on poor experiences and 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 negative emotions like fear and 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 all those things that we've experienced. We're gonna, we're going to end up, um, you know, unfortunately, we may end up back back where we were two years ago, and, and people are going to be oblivious to the experience that we've all just gone through. But you know, what is the role of, of brands in that, and how can we, you know show people what this new world looks like um so i don't know that there is a big opportunity there for, for sure one sec sorry about this yeah yeah i think i think there's just um you know what's the what talking about the potential it it, it seems yeah for sure every client agency relationship is different every client situation is different you know from a business perspective but there are some sort of best practices. Um, I always think of like McKinsey model. Like if you look at local McKinsey's research or you know even Accenture, they sort of um, they benchmark best practitioners. So the people who are actually achieving positive ROI um, on, on briefs look like this. They do things a certain way. They have a certain type of relationship, and then and then you have. So, okay, I want to mirror a model against uh, those best practitioners and they cut across different business situations, size. There's a sort of a universal set of things that practices that they happen to uh, um, all adhere to in some way. And then you can start to imagine like how you could like, you know, highlight those best practices and just you know, build, you know, training modules or whatever it might be out of those things. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's also interesting um, to bring different experts and maybe organizational psychologists or things like that, you know, it sort of starts to, because there's, there's, there's a lot to it, as you guys say, you know, and, um, you know, I just, a couple of years ago, I did a workshop for a really a massive investment house. And I was sort of trying it, training their very brightest and best young talent on the elements of a brief. But I was, you know, 
quite clear that there were some challenges with inside the organization as to how those individuals, what power they had, you know? So all the theory in the world was kind of, you know, it, it pushed up against culture. Mm. And, and, and so some of, the, some of those things are, are like great in theory, but in the real practice in the real world, they're kind of, you need to, if someone needs to come together and that needs to change and the marketers need to have more, be more respected and blah, blah, blah. So, but I think it's fascinating. I think, I mean, I'm just sort of like, I mean, the reasons I, I wanted you guys on the show is just, I, I think you were doing something really interesting and clearly the research proves it and the reaction to the research proves it. So um, I'm excited to see what, what else can happen, you know, uh, from it. it. Yeah, and something needs to happen because we've got so many global and local stats that what we're all doing in the industry isn't working. We've got Havas with their meaningful brand study. We've got the Edamon Trust Barometer. Uh, Mark just Mark Ritson just produced the UK uh, profession uh, data and add people again are the least trusted profession. The, in Australia, we're the second least trusted profession because salesmen, uh, car salesmen are the least trusted. So that's good. Ah, or real estate agents, one of the two. <laughs> so we need to talk to the language of finance more and we need to build trust in what we're doing. Like <laughs> it starts with those two things. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, thank you so much for your time. I think, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a great conversation. Maybe in another six months time, we should kind of revisit and see where you guys are at. And uh, let's keep chatting in the meantime. And um, very interested to see see where you guys net out. So thanks again for your time. Really Sounds appreciate great. it. Thank you, Ed, very much. Thanks for having us. Thank you. And I'll let you know when uh, when I post this up. This is your host, Ed Cotton. Thank you so much for listening to Inspiring Futures. Until next time.